morning, everyone. Junior Church is not dismissed. So uh, make sure you get your bulletins so that you can be ready to fill those out and get a piece of candy. There's a lot of things going on in the world today, and I just found this story, and I, I wanted to share it with you. Um, there was a guy who was walking in the woods, and he tripped and fell and hit his head really hard. If you've ever walked through the woods, you know how treacherous it can be. Um, when he finally came to again, he was very disoriented, and he couldn't remember anything. He, he hit his head so hard. As he's walking, he came along this creek where there was a bunch of people standing out there, and, and a couple people were in the water. And the guy in the water who was a minister turned to this guy who bumbled out of the woods. He says, are you, are you ready to find Jesus? And he says, uh, sure, I guess. And so the preacher baptized him. And he pulled him up out of the water. He said, friend, have you found Jesus? He goes, no, no, I haven't. And so the preacher was a little fumbled by that. So he baptized him again and pulled him up. Did you find Jesus? No, no, I haven't. Now the preacher's a little upset, so he pushes him back under the water and holds him for 30 seconds until the, the hands and the feet start kicking. And he pulls him up. He says, my good man, have you found Jesus? And the, the guy wipes his eyes, and he catches his breath. He goes, is this where he fell in? Now, aside from the wrong theology of the preacher, let me tell you, there is a better way to find Jesus. And that's what we're going to look at today. Paul is on his destination Rome. He's on his last trip to Rome. And while he's doing this, he does something that is incredibly powerful that we all need to, to know about. God has called, he has commissioned Paul to preach the message of Christ. Last week we saw some well-intentioned, loving people of Paul gave him bad advice to, take, to try and get him to stop going to Jerusalem. But Paul was strong and faithful to follow that commissioning of God. It was God's will, and he knew that. Now, Paul has been misunderstood and abused by both the Jews and the Romans at this point. He's trying to mend the divide that is caused through generations of arrogance and legalism that was between the Jews and the Gentile parts of the church. To amend the Jewish legalists, he agreed to perform the purification ceremony at the temple to, to prove his Jewish loyalty. So he went through this whole cleansing ceremony because he'd been with Gentiles for so long. He went into the temple to finish that ritual. And when he came out, the Jews, who didn't like Paul at the time, thought that he was coming out of the temple with Gentiles, which was a big no-no at the time. And so, enraged, Jews began to beat him up until local Roman garrison, hearing of the disturbance, came and rescued him. Instead of arresting the troublemakers, they arrest Paul. In Acts 21 39, Paul asked the Roman captain for permission to address the crowd. Now, just for a moment, put yourself in this. These guys are beating you up, and then you get arrested. And then you say, by the way, can I talk to everybody? Can I talk to the ones who are beating you up? This is a weird situation. The captain thought maybe he'll get some information, we're thinking. Who knows why but he allowed it. Now, if it were me, I would have been relieved to be rescued by the Roman soldiers and say, yeah, get me out of here. Let me go to a doctor and fix these um, cuts and bruises. But Paul saw this as an opportunity an opportunity to share about Jesus because he couldn't keep it in. 
knowing the Jews probably would not do anything rash in the presence of heavily armed Roman guards, Paul tells the Jews about Jesus. In this passage, Paul tells how he found Jesus. This is one of the places in Acts where Paul gives his personal testimony. A testimony is giving your account of what has happened. If you're saved, you have a testimony or a story. Your personal story matters. The personal details of how you came to Christ matter. The change Christ brought into your life, it truly matters. Paul stands before this mob, and he gives his testimony. We're in chapter 22. We're going to start in verse 3 of Acts. Then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, and was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. Gamaliel. As his student, I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and customs. I became very zealous in our Jewish, or very zealous to honor God in everything I did, just like all of you today. And I persecuted the followers of the way, hounding some to death, arresting both men and women, and throwing them in prison. The high priest and the whole council of elders can testify that this is so. For I received letters from them to our Jewish brothers in Damascus, authorizing me to bring the followers of the way from there to Jerusalem in chains to be punished. Paul here starts this thing and shows his zealous nature. As far as religion and good works concerned, Paul had them all in a row. He was religious. He had done the good works. He was born a Jew. means he's, he's God's chosen person. He was raised in Jerusalem, the center of God's dealings and, and the mankind of, up to that point. He stuttered. Uh, studied. Man, he stuttered. Okay, I keep smelling food. Maybe that's the problem. Okay. Paul studied under Gamaliel. How many of you know who Gamaliel is? I thought somebody might be old enough to know. Um, wow, Meredith turned and looked at somebody behind her. Wow, that was throwing him under the bus there. Gamaliel is a famous Jewish teacher of the time. Um, he was the greatest teacher of that day, the disciple of the illustrial Hillel, one of the leading rabbis of that time. He is saying, I was taught under the best teacher of this age. The best schools, the best teachers available. He went to the Harvard of Judaism. That's what Paul did. And then Paul said he was zealous for God. The dictionary says it's an earnest, earnestness or fervor in advancing a cause or rendering service. He was so zealous, he wanted to make sure he kept pushing the religious zeal, the, the belief system he had in Judaism. The best word I would say, there's two words I think you could describe this zealousness. He was passionate, and he was sincere. He was passionate to make sure it all got done, and he was sincere in his belief system. Paul was so sincere, he was even willing to persecute others who dared to go against Judaism, against God's teaching as he understood them. And there's a dangerous and destructive kind of sincerity, and this leads us to really need to see something. Sincere 
and salvation are not the same thing. You can be very sincere in your belief and never find Jesus. Paul was very sincere, and yet he was opposed to Jesus. You can be intensely religious, but not have a relationship with God himself. Most people believe that if you're sincere, you're going to do the best you can to treat people well and don't do anything seriously wicked or evil, like murdering or robbing someone, and God's going to let you into heaven because you're just a sincere person. Others believe, well, that's a lie of Satan first. I don't care how sincere you are. Scripture says that's not what gets you into heaven. Others believe if you go to church, obey the Bible as best as you understand it, live by the golden rule and the Ten Commandments, surely that will get you into right standing with God. Nope. Another lie. Right here, Paul, an example of a person according to his best knowledge, was religious as he could be. He knew all the information. He'd been trained. He could recite and quote all the scriptures. He knew them. He was also sincere. He truly believed them, and yet as devout and sincere as he could be, he was lost. He did not have salvation. It's another reminder that our salvation is not earned by our goodness, our sincerity, or our zeal. It is a gift of God's grace. If there's anything you need to get out of this sermon first, it's that religion is not going to help you find Jesus. Sincerity will not save you. Zeal will not do it. Good works are not enough. Baptism alone isn't anything. Um, Treating others well is not going to reserve you a place in heaven. The Ten Commandments, they mean nothing. If that's all you're doing is just those following the golden rule, you should do it. But if that's all you're doing, that cannot save you. Neither can go into church. The Catholic Church, Methodist Church, Baptist Church, Church of Christ, Christian Church, or any other church cannot get you into heaven. There's only one way into heaven. Only Jesus can save you. Jesus said it, John 14, 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. He didn't say the only way to heaven is through church. He didn't say the only way through heaven is living good. He didn't say knowing all the Bible, being very sincere in your beliefs. The only way to heaven is Jesus. That's what he said. It's all about what Jesus did for you, for us, to provide salvation as a gift. We cannot earn it. Titus 3, 5. Jesus saved us not because of the righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. And mercy is something taken away that you deserve. A punishment that you deserve is taken away. He washed away our sins, giving us new birth and new life through the Holy Spirit. While focused on going to Rome, Paul made sure to stay on his real destination, which was telling everybody about Jesus. He wanted to make sure no matter who he met, who he came into encounter with, knew about Jesus. Well, I want you to see something else. Go to verse 6. As I was on the road approaching, he's continuing his story, approaching Damascus about noon, a very bright light from heaven suddenly shone around me, shone down around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord, I asked. 
The voice replied, I am Jesus the Nazarene, the one who you are persecuting. The people with me saw the light but didn't understand the voice speaking to me. I asked, what should I do, Lord? And the Lord told me, get up, go into Damascus. There you'll be told everything you are to do. I was blinded by the intense light and had to be led by hand to Damascus by my companions. A man named Ananias lived there. He was a godly man, deeply devoted to the law, Jewish law, and well regarded by the Jews of Damascus. He came and stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, regain your sight. In that very moment, I could see him. He started off his whole story, I am one of the best Jews you're ever going to meet. I, I am almost perfect in being a Jew. And then here he recounts his conversion. He was on a mission to stop the church because of his zealousness, because of his sincerity. He was on a mission to support the Jewish cause. His destination at this point was to eradicate the way, the church. And on his travel, he encountered Jesus. And we need to understand something. An encounter with Jesus always causes change. It always causes change. Always. Because when we truly encounter Jesus, you come to a crossroad. You cannot continue on the same way anymore. You can either choose to accept Jesus and change the direction of your life, or you choose to deny that truth and you actually leave your path and go further towards damnation. You can't go the same way because you've been instructed and encountered Jesus. Now, Paul had an incredible encounter with Jesus and it forever changed his life. This point in Paul's life is one that he points back to all the time throughout his missionary journeys. He he points to this point where he came to that crossroad. From this point on, Paul changed his destination of his life. He changed the direction. We all should have that destinational change, that position that just shatters where we're going and ultimately gives us a new direction. One of the most diabolical tricks of Satan has been to dilute the salvation process. You can ask a lot of people, Tell me about how you were saved, and they'll just look at you and like, what? Um, I've always believed in God. Uh, or sometimes they say it this way, I, I've always felt a presence of God in my life. I've seen God deliver me in so many circumstances, but I've always known he's there. That, that's not true encounters with Jesus. Look what happened to Paul. One day he was going to establish his own righteousness by obeying the Jewish laws. Obeying them, being zealous and sincere, but ignorant of true salvation. The next day, he was humbled, blinded, led by hand, and brought to repentance, obedience, and into a changed believer who promoted the very thing he was against. One day he was lost, though he didn't know it. The next day he was forgiven from all his sins. One day he's on the road to Damascus and the road to hell. The next, he has eternal life, and he's on his way to heaven. One day, he's a persecutor. The next day, he joins the persecuted. Paul shares his testimony several times throughout the book of Acts, and, and you can even read accounts of it in the other books he's written. And we all need to learn to share our testimony, our story. How do we do that? How do we tell our, our testimony? Well, I think we can look at what Paul did here. First, notice Paul, how Paul talks to them. 
He speaks to people just like them. He relates to them. I was raised like you. He says, I am a Jew. I was raised here. I went there. He used Gamaliel. I believe just like you. I am one of you. He associates with them. In verse 4, he tells them that I persecuted the way, and there is proof of it. Go ask the elders. They gave me the letter to go do it. All this sets up, Paul starts with his former life. That's how he starts his testimony. He starts with what he was prior. In verse 6, he shows the whole thing has changed. So he starts with his former life, and then he shows his transformation. That's the next thing. He shows his transformation. Imagine the following. I want you to really try to imagine. Imagine this change in Paul. I think it would be very similar to this. You turn on the news tomorrow morning. Nancy Pelosi is on the screen. And, And she sits there with the news broadcast, and she says, I am... Um, leading the campaign chairperson to bring Donald Trump back into the presidency. Now, if that happened, the first thing you would think is, fake news. That was funny. The second thing you would ask is, what changed in her? Why did she go from hating him to now wanting to support him and endorse him? There would be a drastic change. And that's what Paul is saying here. That's the transformation in Paul, and he shares this, which we all should have. Paul's transformation is first told in Acts 9 as he's on his way to Damascus. If you were to interview Paul later on and were to ask him what happened by today's events, what is it that surprised you the most? I don't think he'd be shocked by the light as much, or the voice, or even the blindness. Those were all miraculous things that happened, but I think the one thing that shook him and you can see this throughout his writings, was that Jesus was still alive. That Jesus is the Messiah. Because he truly believed the opposite, and here it was. Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, who you are persecuting. He knew Jesus died on the cross. He was one who helped kill um, Stephen. He was persecuting this. He was there. He was probably there at the crucifixion, even at the, the trials of Jesus. And now he's here and hearing Jesus alive. This shows us the resurrection is the pivotal part of Paul's transformation. It wasn't him. It wasn't he learned something. The difference was Jesus is alive. He shares more of his story by showing how God told him that he'd go and undergo such riots and sufferings. And right here we can see three basic elements to sharing our testimony. Life before Jesus, how I encountered Jesus, and then how my life changed because of Jesus. Every Look at this. Every genuine believer has a story of how they came to Christ. Your personal story really matters. It's very important. Looking at this list, this answers how Christ saved you. And this also gives people a reason why they, too, can be saved. It's that simple. How did Jesus save you? Well, this is what I was like before him. This is how I encountered him. And this is how I changed because of him. 
Conversion isn't for bad people or religious people. Conversion is for all people. And we should want that. Not every encounter with Jesus is the same. Okay? Um, there's a great danger when you question your conversion because it doesn't meet the style or the pizzazz or the flash of other people. Uh, even inside the Bible, actual conversions are so diverse. Some conversions are very sudden. Some are very dramatic, while others are quiet and quaint. Lydia, a lady whose story is in Acts 16, is converted through a Bible study. No lights, no voice, no blindness. Just a Bible study. There's a danger in believing that everything's got to be this dramatic, huge event. I have thought, I don't have much of a testimony. When I was less than a week old, I was in church. I was raised in the church. I started singing specials on the stage when I was three. I sang this little light of mine. I was adorable. Sometimes I still think I am. I missed less than 20 Sundays my entire life until after I graduated high school. Not much of a story. I knew the church. I was raised in the church. I knew the Bible. I read the Bible. Who wants to hear testimony like that? And then I met other people that they were in drugs and alcohol and cheating or murder, and, and they were raised, uh, raised in this ungodliness, and God changed them to a brand new path. I can't compete with that. I'm pretty boring. And there are a lot of people who think that. I can tell you I have never been drunk my entire life. I've never done illegal drugs or abused prescription drugs. Never done that. Um, who wants to hear about that? Good little preacher boy. That, that's what you think. How you encountered, and, and that's how Satan tries to keep us silent. Because even in my mind, I think, man, that other guy. Listen to how God changed him. And I, I just sat in the pew. How you encounter Jesus is very important. It's personal. And you and I need to share that. It's very important that Christians are able to articulate to other people how and why they became believers. I can tell you the time that I really, really encountered Jesus. It, it was after I was already baptized and I was still growing in faith. It was uh, sixth grade. And I was singing a special up on stage for the church. All of a sudden, I really didn't see anybody. And I started grasping who I was really seeing about, and then it changed to who I'm singing to. And for the first time in my life, that was my God. And I just remember thinking, this isn't enough. He needs more. He deserves more. And that was my encounter Sounds kind of boring, but that was my encounter. And I don't want to lose that. And I need to tell you that. It's very important that Christians are able to articulate how and when they, they came into that encounter with God, how they became believers. Kids, you need to know this. When you become a Christian, you need to be able to share that. Share your salvation story. Helps build a bridge so that other people can choose to walk on it and come to Christ as well. People will listen to the words 
of you. They won't listen to great theological, great-sounding, wonderful-looking preachers, or me. They won't do that. They would rather listen to you. Because instead of being a professional salesman, you're a satisfied customer. That's the real difference. I am seen as the salesman. It's my job. But when you say it, you are showing how you are truly in love with this. You need to gain confidence in telling your story. Paul said to the mob that's beating him up, hey, wait a minute, I want to tell you something. So we need to have that same um, confidence. But you need to understand the best strategy to tell your story. Here are tips to tell your testimony. There is not a formula. Here's just tips. Write it down first. Why do I need to write it down? I know it. Go over it a few times and make sure it's, um, that it's understandable. And here's why you need to write it down. Because if you don't, you're going to keep blabbering on and on and on and on. Okay? Write it down. Secondly, be brief. Okay? Be brief. This does not include sermons. I knew somebody was going to say something. Do not try to include every single thing about why you came to Christ. Well, I did this, and I did this, and then I did this, and while we were there, and I was wearing this, and this person was sitting next. No. Be brief. People don't want to hear it all. In most cases, you're only going to have one, maybe two minutes to share your story. Keep it brief to the point. Tell it in your words. Don't try to sound theological and righteous and uppity and all that. Talk in your normal words. Eliminate religious jargon. Because they may not understand what those are anyways. Remember, your testimony is about Jesus, not you. Remember the three points, life before Jesus, encountering Jesus, and how my life changed because of Jesus. Remember, your story doesn't save. Jesus' story saves. Your story is an introduction to him so that they can have an encounter with him. I've seen so many people start giving their testimonies, and they blabber on and on, and they start talking about their stuff. Yeah, we know food's coming. It's okay. But they they start talking about how they, they did this, and they did this, and they did this, and now it turned into a pat-on-the-back story instead of a pointing-to-the-cross story. They become wrapped up in their story and they forget Jesus. Greg Laurie said this, never substitute your testimony for the gospel. Always use your story to illustrate the power of the gospel. Your personal testimony should always point to Jesus. An account of a changed life is a wonderful and inspiring thing. But it's the gospel of Jesus that explains what it is all about, how it happened. And then finally, look at this list. Practice telling your story. Do you know why you need to practice it? Because you're going to forget things. And then you're going to get excited and you're going to blunder over them. So practice it so you can do this. We actually in college had to follow this exact thing. I had to write down my testimony five times. The first time, and then I had to shorten it, and then he said shorten it again until the fifth time, it was in two paragraphs total. I think it had to be uh, most of 12 sentences. You know I like to talk. And then I had to give it. 
And then once we all gave it, guess what we did? When I was young, that's not very often. When I was young, I grew up in the church, and then, then I knew God, and I was saved. That's not very authentic. You practice it so you can talk to people about it. When you talk to grandmas and they're talking about their grandkids, do they ever just look down? No, they're looking at you in the face saying, look, look here, look here. you got to love this child as much as I do or you're a horrible person. That's what they're doing. And that's what we need to be doing. That's why we practice it. Hey, you need to see Jesus like I do because I was a horrible person just like you. But look what he did. Look at Jesus. Look, come here. Let me get closer. See him. And the more we practice it, the better we can do that. Every believer has a story. You need to understand this. You have a story about how Jesus encountered your life. If you are a believer, your destination ultimately is heaven. But along the way, God has called each and one of us to tell our story to other people. He has commissioned each one of you to say, this is what my life was like before Jesus. This is how I encountered him, and this is the result of meeting him. We have been commissioned, and there are too many Christians who sit on Sunday morning, and then they never talk about Jesus the rest of the week. We sing some great songs. Oh, we talk about him on Sunday. But then the rest of the week, we talk about work. Schedules, groceries, bills, and we forget to talk about Jesus. If Paul can do it in the midst of being beaten up and arrested falsely, can't we do it at the gas station? Can't we do it at the paint store? Can't we do it every day? Let me tell you about Jesus. Just heard a story of a guy who started that conversation at a paint store. Man, I want to be more like him. Should we all? If you need help writing your story and going over it, I'm going to tell you there's a couple of guys who would love to help you do that. Just simplify it, get it to the point, so that you can start using it as a tool to point Jesus to the cross. But you've got to initiate it. We're going to go back into worship. And if you don't think you have a story, if you truly believe you don't have a story, Will you come talk to us? Because Jesus didn't die for nothing. He saw somebody truly worth it. Someone of immense value. Someone that he said, you are my prized possession, and I am making you a home in heaven. Let us point to the scriptures to help you see your story. For the rest of us, as we sing, let's remember who he is, what he did for us. And now let's praise Him and honor Him with our voice. Let's stand and sing.